Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Friday service, it's always such a rich time when we get together with all the churches. Um, I believe we have uh, eight churches that are joining in the service together, and um, it's a mixed worship team. And we just, uh, it's just, it's so, I love praying with the churches of Barry and I love doing things like this because we see that we're more the same than we are different. And so many times the differences um, are really emphasized, but we don't realize that we are so much the same and that we need to begin to, to rally around that and not divide because there's power in that unity amen and it's powerful when we meet because there's a different type i don't know what how to explain it but when when there's that corporate the bible says when brethren dwell together in unity god commands a blessing so there's a greater blessing god commands when we dwell together in unity it's like in a family how many know when a family is not unified, it does not go well in that house. The father in that house is not commanding a blessing over those children. <laughs> right? When there's disunity, when there's strife, when there's... He's not commanding the blessing. It's when we choose to be unified and we recognize we're his family. And what, that we're there because of what he has done. That is the powerful part. So... Um, that's 1030 and it's downstairs not don't come up here it's in the the big sanctuary downstairs on the side door where we used to go so um, oh sorry I didn't do you already started okay well welcome everyone online we're we're glad uh, you're you're with us and um, so today um, we're going to uh, I'm gonna kind of springboard off of last week and uh, my message title is God's heart and value for all and when we understand God's heart and God's value for everyone it changes our whole perspective heaven has a complete different value system than we do we we have a really weird value system when we look at heaven's value system and when we look we're gonna look at it today you're gonna see and you're gonna think wow um, that's kind of weird that heaven gets that excited about this but it's actually the right value system we've got it wrong and we and we got to ask god to help us change how many want to let god change you into the way he wants you to be we didn't come here today to, to just sit, get a pat on the back you're good you're doing everything right no the bible says jesus is the same yesterday today and forever so that means he doesn't change that means we have to change amen He's, he's forever the same. You know, today's Palm Sunday. They were, they were laying palm branches down, shouting Hosanna. He was coming into Jerusalem. They were declaring he was the king. And a week later, they're putting him on a cross, and they're declaring crucify him. That's what happens when we trust humanity. But Jesus, in the midst of it all, had a plan, and it didn't deviate him off the course. Even everything that was happening, he used it for his good, and he accomplished his purposes. 
and it's the same today. And the one thing, though, that is constant is God's heart and his value for people. And we need to understand that because that has to govern everything that we do. If, if we get this right, everything else will be right. And this is the part where the enemy wants to get us off. And the enemy wants to get our, our priorities in the wrong perspective. And we've got to allow God to work a right heart in us in this area. And we're going to look at a chapter in the Bible, Luke 15. Luca in Tur- Turkey. Luca. And so um, we, we're going to look at that, in, in, and we're going to start at verse 1. And so um, I'm going to read it from uh, a, a new translation that I'm reading from in my Bible. I'm using my paper Bible today. Yeah. <laughs> paper Bibles are good. This is so important because this is how God speaks to us. This is how he reveals himself to us. If we stopped reading our Bibles, like it's like I have to get these verses in today because I'm supposed to read my Bible. If we approached our Bible like I'm going to get to know God, like God wrote this so I could know him. So every time I'm reading it, it's like his love letter to me that he is revealing himself to me, his secrets, his heart, who he is. If we approached it that way, we would read it different. And we would want to read it. And we wouldn't have to read 20 chapters. We could maybe read three verses and it impacts us so much. We're like, we will sit on that and we're like, wow. And we just allow him to speak to our hearts. And then there are times you want to read three chapters. And because it's like, wow. But it's the whole motivation is I want to know you. I want to know you. And so this chapter is such a powerful chapter in Luke because it reveals the heart and the value system that God has for people and, and that, that this value system permeates heaven. And so we're going to look at it. It says here, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. So here, sinners and um, uh, tax collectors, they were all gathered around Jesus. They wanted to hear him. They were drawn to him. So how many think he probably didn't have a pickle face and look somber? And How many know tax collectors and sinners are not going to gather around that? He was a guy that had life. He was a guy that was like, when he looked at people, he saw their value. That everyone was important to him. They were like, they were so special to him. And, and we're going to see something here. So they're approaching him, and then it says, and then the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. So we have two parallels happening here. We've got sinners and, and tax collectors drawn to him, and we've got Pharisees and religious people complaining. Mm, what's he doing? What's he doing hanging around with all those tax? He's supposed to be a holy man of God. Going on and, and, and they're like, and Jesus is going to, like, he's going to shoot right through all of this. He's going to look at and deal with this whole situation with this chapter. 
And so it says here, they began complaining. They said, this man welcomes sinners, and he even eats with them. Oh! He's like being tainted by these sinners. So he told them this parable. He says, what man among you who has 100 sheep loses one of them? Does he not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? I love Jesus just is so practical. He takes a practical human life thing that they could understand. And he says, he says it goes after that lost one until he finds it. And when he's found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way. So he's saying this is the parallel. In heaven right now, he says here, um, there, are more, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. In other words, he's saying, look, heaven is going to get really excited every time one soul turns from being lost to eternity. When the course of their life is completely changed, their eternal destiny is no longer darkness. It is light. And it is toward their father who created them. So then he goes on and he says, uh, or what woman who has 10 silver coins? So he's speaking to the women now. He's saying has lost a coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her women friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I found the silver coin I lost. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So then, now he goes deeper. And, and we, we know this parable as um, the prodigal son. And we always use this for Christians that were believers and then they fell away. And it works for that, but it's not just for that. Because the thing that we have to understand in this parable is the two sons were both in the father's house. And if we understand creation, all of us were created in the image of God. Before Adam fell, humanity was created in the image of God. We were created by God's design, male and female. He created them in his image. So the image of God is both male and female expressed as one. The perfect expression of God is in marriage, a man and a woman, you get both sides of God, the full expression of God. That was his design. That was his plan. And we multiply through that over and over and over again. Amen? Simple. Easy. That's God. He makes it easy. Not hard to understand or complicated. So it says here, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father. So these both sons were created in God's image. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of, of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant land or country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. So first of all, I want us to understand one thing. <clears throat> the two sons both had inheritance, right? How many know you can't ask for something you don't have? The father did not hold it back from them. He says, look, this is yours, and I'm going to give it to you. So both knew their father's love, and the, and the prodigal who was going to stray away didn't doubt his father's love. He doubted his father's ways. And for the most part, people doubt God's ways. They doubt his ways. They doubt his plan. They doubt his design. How many know? Everyone questions everything. It's like, why did God do that? Why did God do this? Why did God? And they question the design. And so the father gives him what he wants. And it says here, he, he took it and he left. He says, I'm going to do it my own way. And he squandered his estate in what? The Bible says foolish living, wasteful living. And this is what happens when we don't have God's priority, when we don't have God's heart, and when we're not following God's plan, we live foolishly. Great, you're prosperous. Great, you get the house. Great, you get success. For what? Prosperity without a purpose is... So what? You're rich. So what? Everyone thinks you're great. This is what we chase. You know what the biggest status for the younger generation? The, the, the one thing that they want to attain, this is the highest, it's like 70%. It's like ridiculous. They want fame. That's where we're at. I want to be popular on YouTube. I want to have 20 million likes. And, you know, it's like this is what we're aspiring to. To what? Why? Why? What are we chasing? Are we going to keep chasing that and chasing that? And it's wasteful living. It says, after he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him his, to his, uh, into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the from the, the, the cobs the pigs were eating, but no one would give him any. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food and here, and I'm dying of hunger. So what's he do? He's thinking about his father's house and his father's ways, and he's seeing he's good. He's got a good plan. It works. He's, I'm well taken care of. He's beginning to look back. He's beginning to see God is good. My father is good. And he, the Bible says he comes to his senses. I just wish God could just take us so many times, and me included, and shake me to my senses. It's like, let me see this the way that you see it, because we get, we've got these filters where life gets tainted by the filters we view 
from our upbringing, from our culture, and we can't see clearly what God wants to show us. We can't see the picture. And so he came to his senses, and it came to in a place of, of shaking. How many, you, when you've hit a really hard time, you're, that's where that perspective of heaven begins to come. When it gets really difficult and hard sometimes, that, it's where that, all of a sudden that clarity comes. And he is able to bring us to our senses. And we, we hate hard times, but how many know we love hard times? What, what God brings out of them. It's a bittersweet, right? No? Yes? <laughs> and so we, 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 like him, it says here he came to his senses. But this is the part I want us to focus on. He says, how many of my fathers uh, aren't dying of hunger? He says, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. So here's what we see. We see full repentance. We see he, he, he offended God. He was, it's against heaven, and it was against his father. He was seeing the big picture. And then it says here, um, and then it says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he comes in with a servant's heart. He comes in willing to submit under his father's ways. Not as a son, as a servant. This is what was established in his heart. So he got up and he went to his father. His father. But I love this. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was what? Angry and said, man, what is up with this guy? I knew this was going to happen to him. And he... What does it say? This is our father's heart. It is filled with compassion, and he runs. He runs to us. He runs to us as soon as we turn. As soon as we take even that littlest step, he is running to us. We might be going really slow, but he runs to us. You give him an inch, he'll run a mile. That's the heart of God here. And so this is what we see. And this is the heart of God for everyone who is lost. And this is what we have to remember. We always take it just for us. Yeah, I remember that for me. But that's for every single person that you talk to. The heart of God is waiting with compassion for their heart to even just begin to turn to him. And he is waiting. And he is running to them. It says he ran he saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran, and what? He threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to the father, he says, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's how he was, like, so demoted. In himself, he had been reduced to nothing. And it says here, but... The father told the father told his slaves, "Quick, bring out the best robe and put him put it on him." Who was just talking about that clothing? Trish mentioned it in the worship. We clothe ourselves, but he clothes us with robes of righteousness. Amen. 
We try to clothe ourselves and make ourselves good, but it's filthy rags. But he clothes us, the Bible says. He said, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. That signified his inheritance. Put that ring on. He's got, he's got the charge card again for the family. He's got the inheritance. And then he says, sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And now he is, he is found. And they began to celebrate. Amen? This is heaven's value system. They are excited they are excited about every lost soul, everyone that turns and repents. Everyone. And this is the part that I want us to be on guard for because it's easy for us to slip into this. We can become the second brother who's been in the house doing everything that we're supposed to do. And that's this son. It says, now the older son was in the field as he came near the house. He heard the music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what, uh, what, <clears throat> what these things meant. And the brother, your brother is here, they told him. Your father has slaughtered the fatted calf because he, ha he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go. This is his brother. How many know there's something wrong here when it's your brother there, there was a little bit of a hardening of the heart. There was maybe offense where, to the point where instead of rejoicing that his brother's not dead, he could have been slaughtered and killed out when he was being dumb. And what did he do? He didn't even care. He was mad because dad threw a party for him. And he was a bad boy. You don't throw a party for bad boys. Come on. We've got this whole thing. We measure everything. We measure everyone. We're like, you know what? Watch Facebook. Watch different things. You see how Christians treat other Christians that have fallen or gone down, and they're kicking them, and they're just totally tearing them up. We've got to watch that spirit. It's a, it's a religious, pharisaical spirit. And it's, it comes in all cloaks in all kinds of different ways. And it doesn't care about a lost soul. It doesn't care. It's like, well, I can really pray and I know all these different things. And, but it's like, do you care about souls? It's all about souls. Our, whole, our prayer meaning is about souls. Our, everything we do should be about reaching another soul. Then he became angry, and he didn't want to go in. So his father came out. Because this is what our Heavenly Father does. When we're in that state, he pleads with us. He came out to him, and he tried to reason with him. It says, and he pleaded with him. 
But he replied to his father, he says, look, I've been slaving many years for you. Notice he uses the term slave, not son. We can become slaves because we are under the accuser. And the accuser says, it's not enough. It's not enough. And we, we can be motivated with a slave mentality like this son. He was doing everything right, but he was slaving. He even uses the term slaving. And he says, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Well, good for you. <laughs> That's our duty as a created creature of God. We are to live for his glory. That's not, we don't get brownie points for that. <laughs> I need to live for God because God created me. He's the designer. Amen? We live for his glory. That's my duty. That is not something I should get brownie points for. He's like, I've obeyed all your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. So he didn't even partake of the good things that his father had for him. He could have, because we're going to see this after. He says, but w when this son of yours, who is also your brother, <laughs> but he had removed himself to the point that it's your son. He's not even my brother anymore. He's your son. He says, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets, the prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. And this is what he said. He said, son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. And this is, I think, what we all have to always remember is God is not holding anything back from all of us. Everything that we, he has, he has given to every single one of us. Freely, though, we have received, freely we give it to everyone else. Amen? See, what happened was my brother doesn't deserve that anymore. He's done this and this and this. Little did he know that he was coming to his senses his heart had changed. He didn't understand that whole process. He didn't understand that the brother came in as a servant, came in with a completely changed heart. He didn't even understand that. Why? Because all he was stuck on was, what did you do? What did you do? It's all about works, all about outward appearances. Come on. It's easy to fall into, but we're to live a lifestyle where we are continually looking at people, every single person with value that God has for them. And I'm praying this for me. I, I, this is one thing we're praying over big church is we have to carry this heart. We have to have this value system. Why? Because it's God's value system. It's God's heart. And it says here, he says, but 
He says, and everything I have is yours. He says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. This is worth celebrating. Didn't have to explain the whole process, what he went through. He just said he was lost and now he's found. Amen. But what I want us to see, we're going to go to Matthew now because God is going to judge the earth and judge actually everyone according to this value system. And in Matthew 25, we're going to look at it. So the Bible says we're going to, the nations are going to be gathered before him. And he's going to judge. This is one of those sermons that is like a, a wake up for us to begin to see. Like this is, this is the reality of heaven that we need to be aware of. Um, it should mark our life in the way that we think, in the way that we conduct ourselves. But it says here in Matthew 25, we're going to start at verse 31. And it says, <clears throat> is it 20? Sorry, I'm at 24. I'm going to read it from the screen. <laughs> when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. <clears throat> it's going to be a separation. He will put the sheep in, on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And the, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. 
sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do. In other words, this is the sin of omission. You were able to do it and you didn't. But the scary part is they didn't even know they were doing it. Why? Because they lived in a comfy lifestyle surrounded by all their safe Christian friends, their safe Christian life, and they did not touch those that needed to be touched. Not that we don't obviously spend time with the body of Christ, but we can be so sheltered and removed that we're not touched and we're not helping anyone, anyone around us. We're not thinking that way. We're not operating that way. I'm asking myself that. I'm looking at that as a church. I'm looking at that in everything that we do because you know what? We can so easily get caught and not realize that everything that we do in life is to lift souls, to bring life in whatever capacity we can bring, in whatever sphere we're in. And God puts us always in life around people who don't know him, right? We deliberately put ourselves in a spot where we don't want to be bothered with it anymore. Come on. We don't want to be touched by it. We just want to stay in our, keep it out. Right? It's easy to do. But one had the lifestyle where they were doing it, and they didn't even know they were doing it. They were like, when did we touch? When did we feed you? When did he says, when you did it to the least of these. While you were going around helping different people, while you did it to the least of those, you were doing it to me. This group, they didn't even realize they weren't doing it. They, didn't, they had been so cut off from all the different needs around them because they only saw what they wanted. They didn't even recognize the hungry. It's easy to do. Come on. How many know it's very easy to do? That we lose the value of a, of a hearing someone's story. If we just would stop many times in different situations and just look at a person, and you can see many times the hurt and the pain, if we take just a pause and we hear a story, or we allow God to ask, ask God, how can they help or minister to maybe a need, maybe speak into their life, something. But what's the pressing need, God? What is it on your heart that you have for this person? What if every one of us prayed that every time we're out, that we have light and we want to shed it into darkness? Amen? that we're, we're deliberate about that. We're not just hoping someone's going to come to us, but we're seeking it out. Like that woman that found the lost coin. You have to seek it out. Amen? I know this isn't the raw, raw, raw message, but guess what, guys? This is where the rubber hits the road. This is heaven's value system. 
And let's go to um, the Message Bible. Uh, I'm going to read this from. Do we have that translation? No? Okay. I'm going to read it then. This is Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. If I can, if I can have the worship team up, I'm going to, we're going to begin to close. <clears throat> And this is what this exhorts us in Philippians to do. It says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart and if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your own way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. And help others get ahead. Are we, like, so interested in everybody hearing our story that we don't want to hear theirs? We can be so caught up in our truth, our story, that we don't pause and take the time to listen to someone else, to help them get ahead, to lift them up. Because this is what it says. It says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the privileges of deity. And he took on the status of a, of a slave, and he became human. If anyone could have stood on his, his privileges and his status, Jesus could have. He would have been like, what up? I'm not washing those feet. <laughs> Peter, wash the disciples' feet. This is my example. I can't stoop that low. He could have. He was a king. He didn't hang on to that privilege. Didn't even regard it. Why? Because he followed through with his heart of his father that was willing to go to the lowest depths. It says, having become human, he stayed human. It was incredibly, an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst death a kind of death at that, a crucifixion. But because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all. Amen? to the glorious honor of God the Father. 
And God did all of this for one reason, to bring us into sonship, to bring us back to where he originally designed us. In the garden, he created us in his image. He created us to be close and have fellowship with him. And when Adam and Eve sinned, that was cut off. But God made a plan that he could bring us back into sonship. Because it says this in Romans 8, 29 and 30. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Amen? Amen. That's what we are. We're brothers and sisters. Even from Turkey. <laughs> brothers and sisters in God and in his kingdom. And it says, and having called them, and having chosen them, he called them. And having given, uh, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having giving, given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Amen. This is our God. This is our God. And he's done it for us, but he wants to do it for everyone. Everyone. See, we measure people and we're like, oh, yeah, that one, yeah, that one's going to make it. That loser. Uh, that one, I don't know. We'll see. Come on. Oh, no, I don't do it. Yes, we all do. Come on. We have these measurements that we have, and all heaven sees is that is a precious child created in the image of God. And God wants to be close to them. God wants to know them. And the only way they can is if they get rid of that sin that is that barrier. They need to come to their senses. They need to. But what's going to awaken them? It's going to be the goodness of God in our lives and the love of God reaching out to them. Not pointing a finger because Jesus, the Bible says, didn't come to condemn the world, but he came that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come pointing a finger. He didn't come with judgment. He came with love, and he came when he did speak harsh. He spoke it with love and always a way out, always a way of escape, never ever to condemn someone and put them in a corner. That's our God, and he reaches out with compassion every time. Amen? So let's stand. And I want us to lift up those people that God has put in our lives that don't know him. They're all around us. They're faces that will come to you. Some of us, it's our kids maybe that have uh, not known God or maybe known God and then fallen away and they need to come back. But let's look at all those faces and let's lift them up right now. God, we just lift every one of those precious souls up to you. God, that you have put in our lives. You have put in our lives, God. They are, they are precious to you and they are precious to us. And God, we ask that you would, you would, you would, God, with your heart of love and compassion, that you would cause that heart to be so uh, in us as your people, that we would have that same heart, that we would have your eyes, that we would see them with the value that you see them with, because our value system is so limited compared to yours. God, we ask for your heart. We ask for your love. God, we ask for your compassion for all those lost ones. Every single one of them, God, we ask, God, that, that you would bring them to yourself, and God, that you would use us 
you would use us. You would use us, God, to be your hands, to be your feet, to be your voice. And God, that you would use us. You would use us, God. You would use us, God. We bless those people. We bless every single one of them, God. We bless them. God, we ask that the, their blinders would come off their eyes, that they would come to their senses. Like the prodigal, they would come to their senses, God. See that you are good, God. You are good. That they would know your goodness. God, that they would know your love. God, that they would know your unconditional love. God, help us to demonstrate that love. Help us to demonstrate that love every day. Every day with the people that we encounter, God. Help us to have your love that we would reach the least of these, God, that we would be that one that would, would, would reach out to the stranger, that would, would, would minister to the hurting person, that would be sensitive to those that, that are in prison or in, are in bondage. God, that we would be your hands extended. God, help us to not be so busy with all the stuff that we forget what is so important. God, help us to not build our lives around just being comfortable and safe. God, help us to see that you want to do so much more. God, you have miracles that are waiting to happen as we extend our hands as we extend a voice and an invitation to those. God, that you are ready and you are waiting and you are wanting to run to them as soon as their hearts turn. You are running to them with compassion and love. I thank you that it's your kindness that leads them to repentance. God, it's your kindness. It's your kindness. God, we thank you. It's your kindness. You are good. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.